The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Welcome back for the second part of our conversation with Carrie Pector. And yeah, the jokes are still for dummies. What what do you think is the, what, the to say the biggest is, is not fair to you, but, you know, on a personal level, what do you think are some of the largest misconceptions of annuities when it comes to retirement income? You know, it's a, developing a plan that uh, you sort of break it down a little bit in your books. Well, the the first most general, most significant thing is that there's, you know, there's something out there called annuities in general. And if you ever, if you're ever reading anything, I mean, I would say I would speak to the public if if they're listening, (laughs) the, uh, I mean, if you read somebody speak generally about annuities in a newspaper article, it's probably, you know, it's probably not useful for you because that means that the person doesn't really understand what they're talking about. They, they, it's like saying, you know, oh, I'm taking my child to a game. We're going to go watch a game. <laughs> How about that? You know? Oh, okay. Uh, a soccer game, a baseball game, a football game. Oh, and you know, it's it's a game, you know. They're all the I same. Mean, it's a game. So, <laughs> so, or I'm gonna buy. They're not all the same way. You've never played pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm going to buy a car. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, yeah, I'm gonna go it. buy a conveyance. It's a great conveyance. I heard conveyances are conveyance. You know? <laughs> and I didn't even come up with that word. <laughs> conveyance. Because I, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> no, I had a Latin teacher once, and I also had a motorcycle. And he walked by me in the parking lot at school, and and he talked in a very uh, formal way. And he said, "Is that your conveyance?" <laughs> I said, "Yes." He's prepping is. you for the SAT or something. <laughs> But no, anyways, no, I, 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 I agree no. with you. I, I think just that annuity, what, what the, it's <laughs> almost like a signal that you don't know what you're talking about if you frame it in, in right. that general yes. term. Yes. Yes. Two, it's, it's, it, it shows because that takes you immediately down the rabbit hole. Well, say, tell me further. Oh, well, they're fixed and deferred. Fixed yeah, and I got it. Fixed and, uh, you know, variable and immediate and deferred and blah, 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 blah. And then, and then you're racing down the wrong chute. So uh, at every point in the book, I tried to uh, make it a consumer I, book. I, I remember you said something that was interesting when I was listening to the, in your interview. Marty, so you, it, and it was like, oh, yeah. And it's obvious. But when you said, said it, it was like, oh, yeah. But just legally, how, why is something called an annuity? Because And this goes back to that. And we were saying it earlier. Because I, I, I think another misconception is people don't really 
mean, realize, no, there's actually a rider where that provides the income usually, and rarely do people annuitize, right. you know, from that standpoint. And so then it's like, well, why is it called an annuity? And it's almost like it, there's a there's a legal reason why things are called an annuity. Know. You know, to be able to be able to to provide that backstop, even though you may not utilize it. You, you follow where I'm going with that? Well, yes, yes. And once you start pulling on that thread, you know, it goes on and on and on because uh, because something is what comes with the word annuity is a whole raft of characteristics. One, only life insurance companies can uh, issue annuities. So you're going to be working with a life insurance company. Annuities are contracts. They are not investments. Annuities are insurance. They are not investments. Annuities are state regulated by the states and uh, can be sold by people who are who are uh, licensed by states. And it gets, of course, it gets more complicated than that. But but uh, uh, you know, there's I mean, there's the general definition of annuities, you know, as money that you get year by year. But the annuities that most people buy are not money that you get year by year. They're uh, they're a kind of investment. And, and where we've been going over the past couple of years is the annuities are becoming more and more investment-like as the companies that sell them become more and more investment-like. So, uh, uh, so, I, so I establish in the book uh, very carefully, you know, which books, which annuities are for investing and uh, for certain time periods and or open-ended and then which annuities are for actually getting retirement uh, planning on retirement income and the book is a bit heavy because of my prejudice towards using annuities actual annuities as income producing annuities there's an emphasis on the single premium immediate annuity because I think that's the one that people need to uh, hear the most, hear more about. I I think that it's uh, uh, a tremendously valuable uh, product, especially in the way that you can customize it. Um, that might be a segue into my annuity. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Or, I, I did have some other exactly. questions on this point too, but okay. <laughs> I mean. I just I think this is touching upon and it's something we never really have gotten into, but in terms of just like the general sales numbers, what types of annuities are actually popular in terms of selling and, and that's I think we, we do want to have the conversation about the single premium immediate annuity, but I had this question in mind before oh, that sure. that this is gonna reveal that, for example, they don't have big sales numbers. So like what annuities are actually right popular what are people going to be hearing about just through advertising and so forth well it's interesting that you use the word popular because when i see that word in an mega in an article in the newspaper about annuities i think annuities not popular. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing the second thing that i was told when i got into the annuities business was that annuities are sold not purchased you know people do not go looking for annuities I mean, I hope if once they read the book that they will that they want they when they feel more agency about it that they that they will look for annuities. But uh, annuities are uh, 
uh, I won't make any friends in the industry uh, by saying this, but you know, the type of annuity that is sold, the type of annuity that is created by the life insurer is dictated by the, the business model of the life insurer. And, and I don't want to get into the weeds on this, uh, but, but it it matters for the individual only because you have, I, I make the point in the book that you have to look at who's issuing the annuity and the business model because the business model of the insurance company dictates its culture, its products, its distribution, its regulation, everything. And then if you're not looking at the company and the way it's run and its goals, then you won't understand the context of your product. The, uh, and also then once you get past the company and you find out, talk to, to find out who's distributing it, who's selling it, I mean, then you have to look at, well, an, an insurance agent can sell indexed annuities, uh, but not variable annuities. So if you're talking to an insurance agent and if an insurance agent gets commissions, and it is no coincidence that the most popular, quote, popular, unquote, or highly sold product is the product that pays the agents the highest commission. So that's such a, like, that's a blunt thing to say, but there's no way around it. Uh, There's no way accounting for the the fact that, and because they tried, after the financial crisis, they said, okay, we're going to really go straight. You know, we're going to become, you know, uh, consumer-oriented, and we're going to sell no commission annuities. Well, no commission annuities were not sold. They they did not happen. Uh, the they didn't they did not sell. So, uh, be, because people have to sell them, and they're hard. To, and insurance is very hard to sell. And and uh, without getting esoteric, uh, you know, insurance is an expense. It's an expense that reduces risk and expense in other parts of your life or your portfolio, but it is an expense. And, and so it, it's, it's hard to sell. It's like selling, it, it, selling insurance is selling protect, prevention. And prevention, there is nothing, everyone knows, there is nothing sexy about spending on prevention. I mean, my wife and I, at one point, you know, we were approached by one of the big term companies and they said, oh, my gosh, you know, I mean, you don't know what's lurking under there. You need a, a vast system of termite protection. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so insurance is sold basically on fear because there's no other way to get people to fork out money for some for basically nothing. They get, they get, you get protection, prevention. It is very important. I mean, insurance is very important. You cannot go life through life. You have to say, okay, is it, is longevity risk a bigger risk? Yes. Are annuities important? Yes. Uh, but they are a cost and they're not, investments are not seen as a cost. And the reason that there is no cost is because you're not, transferring risk to anyone you're taking on the risk and so you to pay an insurance company for 
taking the risk from you, which in you, from your point of view is prevention, is a tough sell. So to sell, to make a tough sell, they must incentivize people to do that. And, and wherever you land in the, on, on, on the ethics or the dynamics of that, uh, so it's a tough job, but someone has to do it. So, so then on a relative basis, uh, to, to answer Wade's question, is it fair to say that the ones that function, the one that have the, the ones that have more of an insurance component or protection component are probably on a relative basis now, yes, nominally, you know, maybe in absolute terms, it's, it's a low number anyways, but on a relative basis, the ones that have that insurance, that, that insurance vibe are least sold. The ones that are more, you know, investment oriented are, are, are the highest purchase. Absolutely. Is that a fair? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, okay. uh, because uh for for the reasons you mentioned earlier it's just it's, yeah. it's a it's a hard it's a, it's a hard thing to do you know that, 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 human nature it's yes. sort of battling human nature a little Lock bit those okay precisely to the low sales of my favorite annuities is because Spears. they are pure uh you know you you may not live to 94 and if you don't this is not going to pay off and I try to make it clear, and, well, yeah, because I didn't think the story is under. It paid off economically, but it paid off in terms of the security while you were living. So I, you know, I, well, it, it really well, yes. sucks well, if you die like the next week. But, yeah. but you know, absolutely well, bad. Yeah. I, 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 value. I see from Wade's expression that, that he's gone over this topic in his mind and with other people <laughs> a few thousand times. <laughs> right yeah it's a, definitely right. it's a reoccurring thing so it's so it's and then your your risa you know uh formulation uh helps explain why some people would and other people wouldn't be interested in and prevention <laughs> as opposed to upside potential and risk are you a financial professional looking to learn more about the risa and retirement income best practices well if you are you should join our Retirement Income Masterclass on Monday, August 28th, and Tuesday, August 29th. You can sign up at resaprofile.com slash advisors. That's resaprofile.com slash advisors. So, yes. but just ahead. Before we get to your own kind of personal situation, I think that'd be great to end the episode, but I, a couple other questions that I hear a lot that I sure. don't necessarily have good answers for, and I know you're more connected in that regard. So if we could cover a couple of those. One is you've written a lot about this idea of the, use the term Bermuda Triangle, about this idea that private equity is really getting a big foothold in the insurance world. And the concerns, and that that filters through a lot of questions that come in are, is private equity going to ruin all the guarantees in these annuities? And could you comment a little bit on that particular issue? Uh, yeah, I guess I should give a caveat in that, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, a lawyer, uh, or advisor or private equity specialist or, um, but what, what, when I mentioned a few minutes ago that you have to look at the type of company that, that own and the business model of the company that produces your, your annuity 
you have to look at that because it's going to determine an awful lot about the product and about your relationship to the company. And and the private equity companies, uh, in a kind of an evolution after the financial crisis, uh, have gone to the assistance of life insurance companies and then partnered with life insurance companies and then bought into and then in life insurance companies and then finally uh, acquired life insurance companies so that they could sell long-dated, like 10-year, 7-year, 10-year indexed annuities, which was a way for them to borrow money at relatively low rates and at low risk so that they could loan that money to uh, companies uh, uh, in what's called private credit or leveraged loan or loan origination, customer loan origination models. So I was alarmed and people I knew, some of the old timers in the insurance business who and life insurance business who had been from the old days of the 1990s, uh, we were all a little bit alarmed that the annuity buyer was now just, they didn't know that they were simply lending money to private equity companies for this to put at the service of a completely different constituency. And this is, this is a conclusion that I've come to from uh, watching this evolve. And I can tell you that it's a, it's when I've spoken about it uh, and let it, okay, let me go back and, and uh, before jumping into the deep end of that, let me go back and say what the Bermuda Triangle is, which I've written about. The uh, the Bermuda Triangle is when a a company can start with a life insurer, it can it can start with a private equity company, it can start with a company that's a reinsurer. The Bermuda Triangle involves issuing fixed or index or fixed or fixed indexed annuities, fixed rate or fixed index. Uh, taking in that money as a kind of of receiving that money, it's called the liability for the life insurance company because they have to pay it back, and then uh, reinsuring, buying reinsure instead of sort of insuring it yourself, which is what an insurance company would do. You move that the risk to a to a entity in Bermuda where they can revalue the liability in such a way that it costs that it lowers the cost of the product that's the best way of saying it it lowers the cost of the product and creates a wider profit margin for the company and meanwhile the there's an asset manager the third leg of this triangle which manages all the money and puts all the money to work in the most effective way it, it, it invests the money i mean what an asset management company does either it manages investments that other people own or it manages its own investments or it borrows money and to lend it in in a kind of uh, arbitrage and and so i thought okay no you know it's in the same way that i like to deal with the principle in a transaction i don't want to deal with a life insurance company whose motives and goals are dictated by a private equity company 
that I don't a Wall Street company that I don't know about. And the, and the and so this this so it's the Bermuda Triangle is a Wall Street investment company, a big one. I won't. I, I won't name any names because they just get me into a lot of trouble. That I've written about them specifically. So they, you have a Wall Street investment company that manages investments. You have a life insurance company that sells annuities, which is the same as borrowing money from people for seven to ten years at low rates. And then you in, insure. You private. You outsource the insurance function, the risk holding function, to Bermuda, where the risk costs less driving down the price of the product. And so the big question has been, okay, well, maybe the private equity companies are doing this so they can lower the cost of the annuities and make them more valuable for the policyholder. And, and this possibility was brought up in a couple of recent research papers by a couple of uh, former Federal Reserve uh, economists were looking at the situation, and I thought, "You got to be kidding!" <laughs> no, the private equity company is running this transaction. These are, and then, the, and, and you're, and these are publicly held companies. So, for a publicly held company, the shareholder comes before the policyholder. So, these strategies, these Bermuda strategies, which I'm and some other people are saying, are not really in the interest of the policyholder are being wildly applauded in the Wall Street press, which is the Wall Street Journal or the Wall, you know, the New York Times. Wildly applauded because they these things are great for the shareholders of the companies because the profits are products are more profitable. The product profits, I believe, there's a problem with that because the policyholders I do not think are the winners in this. They are winner they they are losers at the at the expense of the of the shareholders, and and so uh, the book doesn't go into that too deeply because that arises out of my news coverage of the insurance <laughs> industry, the business of retirement. Gotcha. Um, so there's a little bit of that in the book, and as it, as it's relevant to individuals in the it's, section where I say you've got to look at who the company is, it makes a huge difference in the ownership structure and the business model of the insurance company. It makes it, 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 it's, it's interesting, Kerry, you, 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 you come at this annuities in a, in an interesting way. They say, you know, the best parents are those that not only sees the, you know, the, the pros of their, 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 their child, but also their faults. You know, but you, you love them nonetheless. You know, kind of thing. And, and it seems to me, with annuities, you really have, are in a unique position where, listen, you wrote the book annuities for dummies. You you you're a huge proponent of the role that they can play, but you're also able to separate that that uh, you know you're you're not like this sort of cheerleader. You know, this blind cheerleader. You also see that listen, there's some infrastructure issues that could potentially lead, lead, lead us astray if we don't get this right. And you're, you're fine bringing that to light because at the end of the day, the industry benefits from it. You know, and you, you, don't, you don't see that too much. You know, you're, you're, no, you're not an apologist, nor are you, uh, you know, a, a harsh, harsh, harsh critic, you know, dial in the handbasket. You're, you're just trying, I, I, what I'm getting out of this is you're really, 
you know, trying to look out for the best interest of, of, of the annuity world because of the, the benefits that they could potentially break to somebody's retirement. And, you know, uh, kudos to you for that. Well, look, it's pretty simple. You've, you've got a consumer who's, city, who's got, say, for some people, they've got $100,000, and that might be a very, very large sum for them. And they are trying to decide what to do with this money. I mean, or $500,000 or a million dollars or whatever it is. I mean, I, this is the most important person in the transaction. And I do not want them to be in the, you know, weak position, uh, the weak end of an asymmetric information uh, <laughs> frame. And there is no reason. I mean, it's their money. <laughs> they, no, no, no. no they need to know exactly what's going on here. A hundred percent. And uh, and I think that's a that's a great segue here from for, for your book. Going back to your book, listen. You you heard from the the man himself, Kerry. You know, you, you hear what he's about in terms of how he feels about annuities, uh, warts and all. And, and frankly, if you're going to pick up a book, sort of make you an informed consumer about annuities, no offense, Wade, <laughs> annuities for dummies, you know, it seems to be the way to go. I mean, uh, that's just my take on that. Yeah. Yeah. Wade? And I know we're coming up on the hour. So maybe there are a couple more things we do want to make sure we cover because we may not get another chance. But another question is that we get a lot is just, how do we assess this idea of, especially in the indexed annuity world, uh, with renewal? And when, when it comes to the new term, the insurance company needs the flexibility to reset the, the caps or other parameters. And the concern is they may do so in a manner that takes more from the consumer, <laughs> reduces the options budget to purchase that upside and shifts it over to the uh, what the insurance company keeps and it's hard, like, what is your suggestion to consumers when they're trying to understand, is this company I'm looking at likely to take advantage of me at the time of term renewals, or are they a company that seems to be mm. in a, a more fair to the yeah. to their customers yeah. who well, there, <laughs> I, I get, I've got four, uh, I got four responses, four separate responses to that. If you're looking for more personal advice, Please note that our show is sponsored by McLean Asset Management. Learn more at McLeanAM.com. That's M-C-L-E-A-N-A-M.com. McLean Asset Management is a wealth management firm where we help you design and implement the right retirement plan for you. Uh, uh, first is you have to understand back in the... Uh Fixed annuity, the way it was explained to me by a guy named Bob McDonald, who sort of almost created the market at a place called Life USA, which he sold the Allianz back in the 90s, the uh, fixed annuity, uh, fixed rate annuity issuers were hurt by disintermediation. People jumped out of the contracts when there were changes in the interest rates. So uh, the the uh, insurance companies certain insurance companies have said, well, how can we fix this product so that we don't lose customers? You know, and so they invented the index annuity. We'll index the money to the market and we won't be exposed to so much interest rate risk and people will not be terribly worried when interest rates go up or down. They won't 
they won't get rid of their fixed annuities. So let's start indexed annuities. And then, and then of course, they ran into a, a problem. They, you know, if the market changed, if they made a promise, they couldn't, they had five or six or, or seven year or eight, 10 year pro- products, and they couldn't, uh, for their own sake, for their own safety, make a promise that they would have to keep for 10 years in a, in a fast changing uh, institutional world, uh, financial world. So, so they reserve the right to change their crediting rates from year to year to protect themselves and, uh, and, uh, uh, and stay in business. And, and so uh, now, and renewal rates used to be a big bugaboo, uh, because, well, what if they change my rates? And, and I, and I had once talked to Cheryl Moore of Wink, the annuity marketing and information company data company. Uh, and she said, well, if a company won't show you their renewal rates, then you shouldn't buy from them. And I thought, well, that would rule out most of the companies and, and, and it's going to be, you're just not going to find those renewal histories. You know, did they change their rates from year to year last year? Have they done it? Do they have a bad track record about that? And some companies have a terrible track record about it. And, and it's going to be hard to find out, uh, you know, except when companies get sued over indexed annuities. So, uh, so Cheryl said that, well, I didn't, but then, but what has happened, how it has evolved is that the companies now use, uh, uh, custom indexed indexes that are risk controlled, that have the risk volatility, uh, inside them so that they change sort of the, the risk is that ri- they use these indexes so that they don't have to change renewal rates. The indexes do the changing for them because of the algorithms built into them. So the, so the, the crediting rates will change on their own because of the index there. You, this, this, this gets into the one, the one of the most, you know, this is a way too complicated part of, but the indexes in index annuities have gotten much, much more sophisticated. And let's just say that the companies have tried to solve this problem by engineering the uh, yeah the, the the index so that the volatility stays level, so that the cost of the option stays the same. But they also have to account for the interest rate changes. But yeah, that. Yes, and and then once people buy into the index, they well, it's the index. It's whatever the index is. It's not like we have an index and we missed it. I mean, you get what the index gives you, and you don't have to uh, change the renewal rate because that risk is already yeah. And so, well, what you get though is you get these are probably these. These articles, these products are now so sophisticated and the indexes are so sophisticated that you now have layers of providers. You have the provider of the index and then you have like another layer of risk management. And then you have like the people who own the intellectual property of the of the of the secret sauce of the of the futures (laughs) trading, uh, you know, mechanism. And you've got an awful lot of people in the room now that are dealing with this problem 
it adds expense, I think, to the I don't think it can help but add expense to the product. Yeah. But the renewal problem has been neutralized in that way. Although it creates another problem for consumers. <laughs> Yeah, we, we suggested in past episodes to just stick to more simple indices like the S&P 500 because you can actually compare between companies and so forth. And with these proprietary indices, there's no transparency to, to know what the heck they're going to do in the future. So, yeah, it's, it's no, ongoing. No, you're going you're gonna to see you're going to see way less. See that you they won't even you won't even get you'll never get the S&P index, the straight index in these products at best you'll get this s&p price index oh, right right the price that's the, yes, that's the, index, the price of, index of of and and uh and it's only in the rylas i think it's in the registered index linked annuities that you will still see the simpler uh indexes mm-hmm. okay we are for for <laughs> complex reasons mm-hmm. so we're going long on the article or on the the episode uh we did promise yeah. your case study so <laughs> maybe in a hundred words or less how did you end up approaching the issue of your own um whether there was a need for an annuity or what what did you end up doing with your own financial plan as you approach retirement uh, well, I was concerned about uh, you know longevity risks. My grandmother lived to be a hundred. Uh, I had long life in my family. I was certainly doing everything I could to try to live a long time, which I think is a factor for people to consider. I mean, if you're doing, if you're paying for Pilates and you're paying for vitamins and you know pro- whatever you're doing. I mean, if you're investing that in living a long time, then maybe you should think about, you know, investing in an annuity that will cover your expenses for being alive. So I had that, I had, so that was one consideration, my own longevity risk. And, and also that I was what uh, uh, David Machia calls a constrained re- retiree, that I could not, I, I well, like almost almost everyone is constrained. I, you know, I had more things I wanted to do with my money than I had money. I wanted to leave something for my kids. I wanted to live a long time, and and I wanted to travel, and I wanted, to, and I had all the, you know, I had a house to maintain, which is expensive, and so so I had I was a constrained. I had more things to do with the money, so I had to think about protection. So, and I also had a sp- a spouse who had very different ideas about. Uh, retirement because her dad had had, you know, a, a corporate job with a pension and free cars and, and retirement and free health care and and all of these things. We had none of those things, and and so uh, I wanted to take some of the risk out of. And and what we ended up doing, but my wife was very concerned about the risk of a single premium median annuity that was life only. And uh, so what we ended up doing, long story short, is that I did something uh, that I that I can't necessarily recommend to everyone because uh, I became very familiar with a person who I trusted who sold secondary market annuities. And uh, the uh, I was able to get a 15% discount on the income that I needed by purchasing this term annuity for and uh, for the first ten years of retirement, and so what I decided to do, uh, uh, it's pretty simple. 
I decided to buy this term annuity, which you can get from, you don't have to buy in the secondary market. You can buy from any uh, life insurance company for 10 years. So it would start on my retirement date so that I did not have to uh, worry about retiring right into a big drop mm-hmm. in the stock market, right? Isn't that what we, we talk about that yeah, yeah. ad infinitum about the retirement red zone? So, uh, yeah, I'd been writing and reading about this for 25 years, and 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 so it was pretty ingrained. And the stock market, you know, was going way up because of the low interest rates, and I thought, well, this is this is probably going to break, you know, right when I run retire. And, and, and so I don't want that. So uh, a few years in advance of retirement, I bought uh, this term annuity so that for the first 10 years of my retirement, I was not going to have to think about the uh, 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 starving or selling. No, not starving. That's uh, silly. About having to sell equities in the face of the down market. Okay. Yeah. For to for for income, and and so okay, let's just take that. You know, let's uh, let's worry about the other problem, living too long on the back end, and and uh, and and Bill Sharp, you know, has a system that recommends that uh, that that you sort of wait and see, you know, to whether before you how things go before you jump into a life contingent annuity uh a uh, deferred income annuity or a inc- so i said uh and and others have written about this too so i took that at risk off the fr- i took out out the retirement uh the the what we call the sequencer risk and let the longevity risk wait a bit while i saw what happened with my other investments at which point i'll probably buy some kind of life annuity that begins at the end of my term annuity. and so and uh, the the now you have to remember that part of this uh, discussion, ha- I mean, I had to do it with my my spouse because and and believe me, this, you know, I mean, that always makes things you now I have two people having to decide. And she was concerned about, you know, the life annuities starting now and they're being, you know, taking away something from the legacy goals for the kids. And et cetera, and the risk involved because you know it was a risk that 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 many people have about losing money on a life contingent annuity. So uh, so we said, okay, we'll do a term annuity, and then and like I said, that resolved. So this goes. The book talks about this kind of thing of starting to look at the geography of retirement. You know, in periods of years, you know, you've got sequence risk at the front end, sequence risk at the front end. You've got you know, uh, over spending kinds of risks in the middle, maybe, and you've got longevity risk at the end. And so, uh, so it was interesting. You were able to sort of take those sort of, let's say lifetime life milestones that everyone goes through and just apply them to you, to your situation, you and your spouse's situation. And you slotted in the annuities when that, that kind of, when that peg fit the hole, if you will, with, with regards to your, your milestone. I, I think that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. it, it was, I could do it because I've read, you know, a hundred yeah, books yeah, yeah, yeah. Wade and Moshe Malevsky. Well, I want to ask you, could I do it if I read annuities for dummies? 
Yeah, oh yes, uh, yeah. My book is much more consumer oriented yeah. than, than, than uh, good than there. I would say that what Wade has done with his book, his books, Wade has provided advisors and consumers with exactly the yeah. kind of mathematical foundation and that they need in order to advise about retirement income, and sure. and. They need a very different kind of a very different kind of foundation speaks to them before they can do this than than the than the foundation that I provide in a consumer book. You know, that's what he that's that's Wade's you know No, I, I got you, I got you. And that, that's kind not of a good you. word. No, that's Wade's over the past ten years or fifteen years, that has been Wade's almost unique uh, contribution to this field. He has done this service for advisors. And, and that's another part of, that's a completely different part of the story from my story, but it's certainly, certainly an essential part. Yeah. Thank you. Well, then I guess we'll end the episode with Wade's book. <laughs> <laughs> no, Carrie, thank you. Uh, yes. My book and Wade's book, buy them together and save. Oh yeah. Get them, no, no, we'll no. get them bundled on Amazon where you, you get the, you get the same save your retirement. How's that? Save your retirement. The book is, you can pre-order it on Vanguard on uh, Amazon or uh, Barnes and Noble and other places like Goodreads. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it should start showing up in bookstores uh, next week yeah. in a, in a week. Yeah, Amazon two. shows the release date right. is July 20. Uh, it does also, you have the first edition is still for sale. So if anyone's looking, make sure you do find the second edition. And uh, just a quick note that we talk about all the vocabulary with annuities, what you were referring to as a term annuity in past episodes, we were calling period certain, just if, if anyone wasn't oh, clear yes, about that. Yes. But thank you so much, Carrie. It's been great having you on the show. And I hope everyone will check out the second edition of Annuity for Dummies, uh, Annuities for Dummies. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Right. Alrighty, everyone. Thank you, Carrie. Appreciate it. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, Consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results. 